There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Norwich against Liverpool is your late kickoff in the Premier League. That one's off at 9.30. What we've got for you uh, from now into the next hour, we've got Hearts against Hamilton. That one has just got underway. No score in that one. Uh, Ross County are playing St. Johnson. Two minutes on the clock there. No goals uh, there. There was another game scheduled. Motherwell against St. Mirren. But apparently, Chris McCarty, the water, the, the pitch is waterlogged yeah. at Motherwell. And in Ranger, this day and age... And Rangers Livingston as well, which you consider Ibrox... And when it's Maud Collins, game called off as well, which is a real shame. Stevie G, I'm sure, not happy with that. The reason being, of course, Celtic so far out in front. They're not playing until tomorrow. That was a chance, albeit a little chance, for Rangers to get three points on the board and try and build up a little kind of scoreboard pressure, if you will, on Celtic. So that's been put paid. So Celtic, all the cards kind of falling for Celtic at the moment. They will be, no doubt in my mind now. I think the little trip over here to Dubai has worked. It's been counterproductive for Rangers since they've gone back, Tom. They've had an absolute shocker. And Celtic now, what are they, 10 points clear? Barcelona against Getafe is your uh, uh, kickoff on the big screen down here uh, at Barasti. Kickoff in La Liga just got underway. Uh, obviously, keep an eye on a certain Lionel Messi, uh, who yeah. is lined up for Barcelona. Any players we should keep an eye out for? Uh, Getafe? Uh, Getafe this season, I tell you, they've done, uh, they've done unbelievably well. They're up in the top four. Or Getafe, they've uh, they've been really good. They've got the striker Rodriguez, who has been linked with, in actual fact, a move to Barcelona. Now this links back to Usmani Dembele because Usmani Dembele is injured for six months. Luis Suarez still on the sidelines. Barcelona may well be given a, uh, be given a special exemption to sign a striker out with the transfer window. Now, how it works over in La Liga, they've got to send the medical reports of both Luis Suarez and, in the case of Usman Dembele, to the Spanish FA. The Spanish FA then get independent medics in to make sure that what they're being told is the truth. And if it is, Barcelona will be allowed to sign a striker out with the transfer window. It's all a little cloak and dagger. You can bet your life Real Madrid are keeping a close eye on that one. And I was reading an article uh, overnight that Usmani Dembele, similar muscle injury to the one that he suffered earlier on in the campaign. Then, six months out, he came back. He was fit inside three and a half months. So you've got to be worried there that, and I think Barcelona have tried to say the severity of this injury is that little bit worse because, well, they can point to the fact he had a similar injury. He was out for three and a half months. You ain't getting a special exemption. So watch this space on that. I know Guillaume Balaguer was speaking at length about it over on BBC Five Live last night because this one genuinely has potential real ramifications for the title race. Plenty of football going on here in the UAE. We spoke to the boys from the Amateur League last week. We've been uh, talking about the fact that the UAE and the facilities here are being used by some of the big clubs from the Premier League in recent times. Sheffield United using the facilities at the Dubai English Speaking College over the course of the last few days. Uh, and no shortage of young talent also here in the UAE. The under 30, well, massive tournament for under 13s ongoing down at Dubai Sports City. Monty has just hot-footed it from there to here and brings so what's the name of this tournament? It's the Under-13 International Cup, uh, which is an initiative by the legend, Real Madrid legend, Michel Salgado. 
and he, as we know, he runs the the Spanish uh, uh, schools in Dubai. Yeah. And I was I was there, Tom, yesterday and today, and I was really impressed by what I saw in terms of the quality that's coming through, even locally from the UAE and abroad. Uh, it, it shows the it shows uh, how much time is spent on developing these youngsters. And, and we know as to why European football is uh, where today in terms of Barcelona's, uh, Arsenal's. Uh, we, have the, we had the Real Madrid's there, FC Porto's. It was amazing to watch these kids uh, play in this heat because it's, it's different to adjust from the temperatures in Europe and, and what we get now in the UAE because the temperatures have, have risen a bit today. But I saw the energy levels uh, in, in those kids, the passion, the enthusiasm in those kids and uh, putting in 200% effort to, to get to uh, the cup final. It was amazing to see. Yeah. Under 13s, Monty, seven aside or 11 aside? Uh, it's seven aside, Chris. And uh, when I just left the tournament, uh, it was uh, the finals are going to be played at 8:30 p.m. today. So if anyone's listening to us, head down to the uh, Sports City, and it's free, free, free entrance for everyone, families. Go and enjoy uh, a, a spectacle, I would say. And they are the future Messi's and Ronaldo's, in my opinion. And uh, are they though? Are they? That's, that was my I, question. Because the only reason I'd ask that is that surely that would be if you're at that age. And I get the thoughts of all these boys here is that. You would have been scouted by them, wouldn't you? I mean, some of the some of the the future Messi's or the the potential out there would have been scouted by the big clubs. So therefore, would they be able to play for schools or soccer schools? Well, it's, well? it's I'm right in saying that it's your Real Madrids, your Portos, etc. It's not their soccer schools. This is actually their under this, 13. So this teams. is their academy. Yeah, this is, is actually the academy. Yeah, and. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to name, name the players, but FC Porto had a number 10 and, a, and an 11. And just by looking at these kids, I can tell you that five or six years down the line, or maybe seven years down the line, they would be making uh, uh, almost a senior level appearance for FC Porto. Uh, and, uh, and there was a number 10 oh, in Real time. Madrid. There's a long uh, time, There's Monty. a long time, yes. Uh, six, maybe, seven maybe, years maybe, another, time. maybe eight years, maybe nine years from now. But what I saw was uh, the energy, the passion, and, uh, and the technique. Uh, it shows that uh, there, there is a good coaching background to what uh, you know these kids get on day in and day out. There is a dietitian, there is a physicist, uh, a, a doctor for the team. It, they, they, they're just taken care of uh, from from minute one until the 90th minute, and and very impressive to see the dedication in those kids. And also, th- uh, hats off to uh, the legend Michel Salgado for this initiative. Yeah, Salgado was there. He had a few of his mates. Didier Drogba was supposed to be there today, didn't show up. Nicholas and Elka stormed off. Why? Because I think his boy got sent off no in one way, of the games really? as well. Fernando Hierro there. Playing and for keeps out you, there. Yeah, you go on Michel Salgado. He, he's pulled in an awful lot of favours from his buddies, Louis Figo's, David Beckham's, Raul's, they've all been sending over their little messages oh, really? saying, oh yeah, good luck to all the teams. It, it, it is a big deal and, and it looks great down there at Dubai Sports City, the Inter- Intercontinental Under-13 Cup. It's been going for a few years, Michel's the kind of brains behind it, if you will. It's got the muscle of Dubai Sports Council. Could be, could be for my money, a little bit better publicised, but they've each... Yeah. They've got their they've got their own wants and desires and, and Michel's the, the man running it down there. But yeah, from everyone that I've spoken to, the talent very much there, under thirteen, but a long way to go. At that age, under under thirteen, you know, you're talking ones and twos. Yeah, but we're talking well, we have seen a couple of sixteen year olds turning out for some of the Premier League teams this season so far. Um, so what that's that's just three, three years. years. There's, three a, years. there's a sixteen year old playing for Celtic, am I right? Uh, yeah, Dembele. Dembele. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, 16. So, again, you have to be 16 playing first team at a top football club. You have to be a once in a gen. You have to be a special talent. We're talking 0.00001% make it. That's why it's always very little foolhardy to say a lot of the kids that we are seeing will go on to make it because they won't. The, the, the numbers show that a lot of those players will go on, and this is a great experience for them, but a lot of these kids will go on to become accountants, teachers, whatever. Only a very few will actually go on and make it and represent the, the, the clubs that they're, they're here representing this weekend. But it's a great, don't get me wrong, it is a great initiative, bringing clubs, bringing top, top clubs, your Real Madrid's of this world, FC Portos, some of the big institutions of European football, bringing them over to this part of the world is great. It's a great setup down there, and I'm sure there will be a decent crowd 8.30 this evening. Those kids, bet your life on it, Tom. Those kids will love it if they have the trophy come the end of the you night. You think it'd be a very good shopping window as well for scouts, wouldn't you? I mean, I know that a lot of them will be will be contracted to a number yep. of these clubs already, but we have seen in oh, the past yeah. certain clubs letting players go and other clubs picking them up as there well. There will be a lot of that talent on show that a lot of scouts and a lot of clubs, other clubs, will be well aware of. Obviously, at a young age, you've got rules, certainly in the Premier League, you can only be bringing in players from a certain radius close to your club, but there is no doubt, if there is a star, a little kid up there, who is mustard, for want of a better Brilliant. word, someone who is literally a standout, then you can bet your life that name will, will be on little piles of scouting reports because obviously everyone, every club out there is looking to save the 150 million that you might have to spend for a top player down the line. You want to get your talent in early. Man City have done it, United have done it, all the clubs do it. You look to furnish your academy with the very best talent out there in the hope that you can unearth a little gem or two. Whilst I've got you all around the table and in a civil mood, uh, can we talk Man City, please? Because I'd love to get your thoughts on the big story of the last 24 hours. For anyone that has missed this one, Manchester City have been banned from European club competition for the next two seasons after being found to have committed serious breaches of UEFA's club licensing and financial fair play regulations. The reigning Premier League champions have also been fined €30 million. Euros. The decision is subject to appeal to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. The reason I wanted to uh, vocalise that final line there is, is this a done deal or is this no. going to be appealed? <laughs> it's going to be appealed and then some Man City statement, the, the, the very strongly worded statement that quickly followed UEFA's announcement last night tells me that they're going to fight this till the ends of the earth. Court of Arbitration of Sport will come into it. They will have their case heard. I, I think it was no real... It was no real secret that Man City were going to be penalised, Tom. You go back to the initial um, the, the leaks that Der Spiegel, the German newspaper, reported on. It was a, a gentleman by the name of Rio Pinto. He's in an awful lot of trouble over in Portugal. He is the man that essentially hacked in to the club servers, found the emails and then pushed them on to Der Spiegel over in Germany. He is now in prison awaiting trial for fraud and, and all the rest of it over in Portugal. There is a hashtag free Rio Pinto that is trending because a lot of fans saying, hey, this guy needs to be celebrated, not cut adrift as you will. He still broke the law. He broke in to Man City emails, servers, sent them on to Der Spiegel. There is no doubt Man City, or at least Man City have been aware that a punishment was coming. Do I believe they thought it would be this severe? No, I don't. I don't think anyone out there Journals, fans are like two-year ban from UEFA Champions League football, £25 million fine, which 
you know, for modern day football, 25 million might seem like a scratch, uh, you know, a scratch that hardly scratch the surface. It's still a, it's still a big sum, you know, especially when you consider some of the miserly sums that are handed out for racism uh, across Europe by UEFA. They will fight this one tooth and nail. Listen, there's a lot of people say it's good for the game. You can't break the rules. There are others that say, well, hold on a second. The financial fair play rules to begin with were brought in to protect the big clubs, essentially to protect the, the, the aristocrats, to protect the elite clubs. There is no doubt in my mind City will fight this one. I actually think that they'll probably win their case. Do I think this will be upheld? No, I don't. I think they'll maybe, maybe they'll miss out on a year's Champions League, which is still, which is still not in their planning. But uh, yeah, make no mistake about it, they will fight this one right to the bitter end. Um, I'm also hearing uh, probably rumours, but that could be a points deduction. Yeah, Premier League, because of course Premier League sign up to the the same rules as UEFA put in place that. Because they've broken UEFA rules, they've in, in effect broken Premier League rules. So the Premier League may well look to a points deduction. They may well start next season with a points deduction. But it's worth remembering in all of this that Man City, some of the key men who have come into place were actually the individuals who wrote the rules, the financial fair play rules for UEFA. So they still feel that they have a watertight case in all of this. They feel that they've been made scapegoats of by UEFA and that the Court of Arbitration for Sport will indeed side with them because, again, a lot of Man City fans are saying, why us? If you're going to point the finger at us, similar in many respects to Saracens in the Guinness Premiership when we come to rugby, it's the tip of the iceberg. There may not just be Man City who have been allegedly not cooking the books per se, but taking advantage of sponsorship deals. And, and that's what it boils down to. They have inflated their sponsorship deals in their accounts that they then have submitted to UEFA. That's the charge levied against them. They say that is absolute nonsense, that they can back up, that they have done everything prim and proper. It's going to be a, a tit for tat from here on in. Right now, they're banned for UEFA Champions League football next season. Again, this will need to go to court of arbitration for sport and it will need to be dealt with quickly because the ramifications from it, if it was indeed upheld, I know a lot of people have jumped onto the bandwagon saying, oh, Kevin De Bruyne will leave and all of these players will leave. I don't believe that for a second. But Pep Guardiola's future is certainly one that will come under the microscope because this is a man who's made no secret of the fact that he wants to win UEFA Champions League. It's all good and well reinventing football, all good and well winning Premier Leagues when you're spending big money to do that. UEFA Champions League is the currency that ultimately he will judge himself upon. And, and Man City, for their growth as a football club, they need to be at the top table of European football. Yes, question I was going to ask, and Roscoe, let's get your thoughts on that one. Guardiola, a man who uh, demands playing in the very top leagues, demands playing in the very top competitions. Without Champions League, does he stay? Yeah, I think he will stay. I, th- I, I think he'll be at that club. It will be hard for him to keep his players' morale, I think, because if you're not playing for the big big kahuna, the Champions League final, then and you, if you're used to playing for that year in and year out, uh, I think it will have an effect on that club, certainly. But isn't it quite interesting? I'm not going to throw the word cheating out with Man City, but we can definitely say unfair play. But cheating in sport or unfair play in sport the last half dozen years, the last two years, has been big. It's huge right now. We go back to the Australian cricket team with the tampering with the ball. We, we look at uh, Man City allegedly uh, 
fudging the books. Now we look at the 2017 World Series with the Astros yeah. sign stealing, which we'll get into later in the show. It's amazing that it seems like these stories are the big headliners right now these past two years, trying to trying to get gain any type of competitive edge you can, either by paying people more or by actually going out there and disgracing the game and cheating. Uh, I think what it comes down to, uh, there's two aspects to this. The, the money aspect of it all the financial lucrative rewards for winning is, is such that that is tempting one or two entities to blur the lines if you will because i think when we call down downright cheating ball tampering yes man city allegedly it's it's more the, those gray areas i think more and more sporting entities and individuals within these sporting entities they're looking for those gray areas gray areas in the rules that not actually against the law but very much frowned upon. And I'll, I'll look back to Marcelo Bielsa, Leeds United, Spygate. Now, Spygate's a great example for me because nothing says in the rules that you can't, if a opposition team has a training ground next to the woodland area, that you can't climb a tree and watch it. No rule states that. He did that. He came out and owned that. He said, listen, we, we were up to that because we saw that there's a competitive advantage there. Now, whether you like it or, or, or hate that, doesn't really doesn't really matter. It wasn't in the rules. Yet Leeds were given what was it, two hundred fifty thousand pounds fine, one point two five million Durham fine for that. Nothing said in the rules. And I come back to it. And it's my real bee in my bonnet with this. Then we talk racism. We talk of racism, deplorable actions in the stands that gets fines that Minuscule. are paltry, minuscule, miserly. It doesn't add up to. It, it really doesn't. It's how can. Spygate, if you want. I keep coming back to that because nothing was stated in the rules, but it, it's very un-British. It goes against the spirit. That's Okay, that's by the by. Racism is an inherent, deep-rooted issue across European football, and UEFA are doing nothing, nothing to eradicate it. Now, there'll be one or two out there that will say, you can never get rid of it, Chris. It comes down to education. You've got to educate the people. But let me tell you, you can do an awful lot more than what UEFA are doing to try and eradicate it from the stadiums because you can say, hey, listen, a €10,000 fine and a one-game ban, I'm sorry, that is not stopping. You, you, you throw these nations out. You say to them, you come down the hardest you possibly can and say, enough's enough. And that, for me, is the big issue, that these, these poultry for racism and yet on the other hand you're willing to throw out £250,000 fine to Leeds United it's madness, that's what it is, madness Do you concur? Yeah, I, 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 everything Chris McCarty just said is right. I think they need to come down hard on racism a lot more. I know than I've changed it. No, I've changed the topic right. slightly. You, you, you are, but you did, but for a good reason. I mean, I totally agree with you. Every it's time great we hear, areas. every time we hear about these racism chants and everything in uh, European football, it just seems like not enough is done. But these gray areas in sports seem to be taking over the headlines, and we'll it, talk. We'll talk more about it with the sign stealing in the 2017 yeah. Houston Astros because that just is hit the headlines. Big Sign week. stealing about that, just touching on that. Is that in the grey area or is that completely... So you can look at a sign and physically try to steal it and tell your teammates. What you can't do is use technology, bang on a drum, wear wires during the game. You are essentially cheating. And that's so what this, they were doing. And that is what is happening. So there's a lot of fallout from that 2017 World Series championship for the Houston Astros this past week. A lot of people out there, Ross, might think sign stealing. What on earth? Are they stealing signs <laughs> from the stadium and running off with them? So, I mean, I've got to say, that's when I first read this piece. I was like, really? What, <laughs> off the changing room door or something? 
So in baseball, a pitcher can throw anywhere from one to four types of pitches. There's not one pitcher that just plays, throws one pitch. So you can either throw a fastball, a very fat, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah. A curveball, it sounds exactly what it is. A changeup that goes very slow, or like a knuckleball. And the catcher will put uh, near his crotch, he'll put a, 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 a hand display to let, let the pitcher know what he's going to throw him. Now, if the batter knows what's coming to him, that is a serious competitive advantage in American baseball when it comes to baseball and played anywhere. And that's what the Houston Astros were doing. They were getting signals, figuring out, figuring out what their signals were through technology at their home games. And based on what pitch was coming, they would bang on a trash can in the dugout. And a certain bang meant fastball, certain bang meant changeup, and so on and so forth. And they did this the year they won the World Series. Ooh. So the year that they've had all the biggest wins in the Houston's career, the year that they were smacking the more amount of home runs that Houston's ever seen is the year that they knew which pitch was coming for every single home game. That World Series is tainted. Um, yeah, just, just coming back to uh, Manchester City's uh, situation at the moment, Chris and Tom and, uh, and Ross, uh, whatever happens from this situation, whether it's positive, if they fight the case and they win it, or it's negative, they got to remember uh, a team, Juventus. When they went down from the Serie A and played in Serie B, they came back fighting, and Buffon was part of that team. They came back in the Serie A, and they actually won. Come back to your chat sure. in just a few moments' time. Let's get over to Chris McCarty. Yeah, we've got a goal at the Camp Nou, and I can tell you it's gone the way of Hetafe. Barcelona nil, Hetafe won, and it's a man that Watford fans didn't quite think I'd say that. Alan Neom, it is the former Watford right back who has given Hitafe the lead. Some discussion being had with the referee and the Barcelona players. Barcelona players not happy with this one at all. It's a corner kick that swung in. Neom, it is who profits because he's involved in a little scuffle on the penalty area. It's with Samuel Umtiti. Now Samuel Umtiti has just gone down like a like a absolute sack of coal essentially a sack of spuds he's just dropped to the ground and then Alan Neom right place right time the ball pops out of Ter Stegen on the six yard line and Neom has the easiest of tasks just to slot it in to the empty net so this one is going to be debated I'm looking at it now it's a fantastic save by Ter Stegen a really good save to get down low to his left hand side the ball pops out though there is Alan Neom and as I say he's got the easiest of tasks just to slot it in it's Barcelona nil Hitafe one uh, turn up for the books then uh, over at the Camp Nou at the moment. We'll keep an eye on that game for you. Sorry, Monty, we had yeah. interrupted. Uh, Tom, I was talking about um, 10 or 12 years ago when Juventus were demoted points and they were in the in the Serie B. They came back fighting with Buffon, part of their squad. They won the Serie B, came back in the Serie A, and I do remember that they actually won the Serie A the next season. So that's an inspiration what Manchester City, all is not lost. Yes, there's mistakes being done. Uh, mistakes have to be rectified. Uh, however... Inspirational team, Juventus, in my opinion. Keep your thoughts coming through on this particular subject. If there's something that you'd like to wade into, then feel free to do so. Roscoe. We forgot we have that quiz that, that we're going out because we're yeah, giving maybe. away some prizes, aren't we? So, what was the quiz question, right, Chris McCarty? Indeed. We've we got an amazing... Well, let me just tell you what we yeah. can win, then we'll give you that question. We have got... It's a good prize, this. Three lucky listeners will drive off 
this evening. Yes, you heard that right. Why? Because we've got the following. A gift voucher from Hertz for a free weekend drive in a Toyota Prado or a similar SUV. So if you're planning any long weekends away, you want to enter this competition, we'll give you a gift voucher from Hertz. You'll get to jump in to a Toyota Prado or a similar SUV for a free weekend drive. We're also giving you a 500 dirham voucher that you can spend at Leader Sports and Health Sport to be used to purchase Joma kit. So if you're looking for some new garms, some new threads to go on your what, daily run, then this is the competition for you. So not only are we giving you a free weekend uh, Toyota Prado, similar SUV, we'll throw in a 500 run voucher Joma kit, and all you've got to do is answer this question, Roscoe. That's exactly right. The question is, who won the men's marathon at the 2016 Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil? And let me tell you, a little clue, he made the headlines in 2019. Text us at 4001. <laughs> and Chris McCarty, if you ever go out of radio broadcasting, you got a job on the prices, right? N- labeling products, my <laughs> Boom. friend. Thank you, you are very, very good. I'm excited <laughs> for whoever is going to be riding away in that car, baby. A brand new car. Uh, for a weekend, Ross. Got to state that just for the weekend. You will get it lent by Hertz. you got to take it back. After the weekend is over. Barcelona Catafé, let's just get an update there. That goal has been Chalked scratched off. off. Oh, has it really? Okay, it has so been still scratched off. Uh, still nil-nil, but Hatafe, I tell you, they're playing some good stuff, some lovely stuff. They're getting in behind Barcelona's high defensive line. They've just seen another effort flash or Ter Stegen's uh, left-hand post. The manager's having a bit of a mare. He's, he's been given a yellow car already. He's been booked. He's, he seems to be prowling his, um, his, his technical area. Um, and is not exactly the happiest of men at the well, moment. Well, I'll tell you what, Barcelona, you sack your manager when you're top of the league, Ernesto Valverde being hard done by Kiki Setien, who reports coming out, not even their first choice to replace Ernesto Valverde. And since he's come in, they've struggled Have Barcelona. They're, they're lacking a bit of an identity. That's despite the fact Kiki Setien is someone who won an awful lot of plaudits for the work that he did at Real Betis. But his side are struggling here. 26 minutes on the clock. I still fancy Barca to win it because they've got Messi. They've got Antoine Griezmann. They've got Frankie de Jong. They've got a jam-packed, star-studded team. But in the opening 26 minutes at the Camp Nou, they are really struggling against a Getafe side riding high at the top. Of La Liga. What's happening in the Gallagher English Premiership? Let's just give you a quick uh, update on scores there before we turn our attention to all things cycling. Uh, we're talking uh, Quinns against London Irish. That's one of the games that's ongoing in the Gallagher English Prem. Quinns 3, London Irish 14. Leicester are losing to Wasps at the moment, 6-0 in that one. Sarres, uh, who are in a world of bother at the moment, they continue their good form nonetheless uh, in the Gallagher Premiership. They are 11-3 up at, uh, against Sale at the moment. And Worcester lead Bath by 13 points to 10. Over to the Guinness Pro 12, 14 for you now. Uh, Leinster are thumping the Cheetahs by 22 points to nil at half-time there. Scarlet's 3, Edinburgh 7 is the latest from that particular game. Uh, and down in France, the Bordeaux Bagels taking on Lyon. It's 10 apiece at half-time. Going to keep an eye on those games for you. Uh, and, of course, bring you all the latest from the world of Super Rugby a little later on in proceedings. Uh, getting ready for the various tours coming to town, Chris McCarty? Yeah, we certainly are. Dubai Women's Tour, an inaugural event. That starts on Monday, a four-stage event, and then we build up to the UE Tour, which, of course, seven days, seven stages, seven Emirates, four-time Tour de France winner Chris Froome will be here making his debut in Dubai just the second edition so for those of you that love your cycling and I know there is a real community a real fraternity here in the UAE that the upcoming two weeks Tom 
the best anywhere on the planet. Women up first, then the men. It's going to be a cracker. Looking forward to it. In fact, we will be talking to some of the women from the Ladies' Tour in just a few moments' time, uh, making their debut here in the UAE. They're going to be joining us live down here at Barasti, where the game is always on. If you're in the vicinity, come down and join. Uh, beautiful evening for watching sport on the big screen down here at Barasti. Uh, and we've got our dedicated Premier League fan zone as well now down here uh, courtesy of some well-known sponsors uh, of the uh, football around the world and more so than the Premier League so do come and be a part of that one feature game each week giving you the opportunity to win some amazing prizes courtesy of the team at Barasti so come on down and be part of the fan zone. I just noticed some sofas down there now Brilliant. these days. It's good oh, down there. It is, it is it's really good down there. You've got sofas down there, you've got all the, uh, the flags uh, of all the Premier League teams, you get prizes given away each weekend. It's a real good buzz I'll going I'll tell on. you what else is down there. Two of Ross Chris flip-flops from last night. So oh. if you find those things, uh, <laughs> please bring them up to the rooftop garden. So it was one of those nights, was it? Well, it was just a good night here at Barasti and it ended up being a beach to a night scene okay. and they had a very, very good band on stage as they always do. So what did you wear home? Well, I went home shoeless, didn't I? <laughs> I pulled an old Huckleberry Finn last night. So if you saw me walking around shoeless, it's because I misplaced my flip-flops here at the very bustling <laughs> Barasti. Who's got Ross's flip-flops? Come on, who's got them? Someone's got them, haven't they? <laughs> Someone's got them. Bring them in. He'll sign them for you and everything. 4001. <laughs> if you want to have your say, keep your thoughts coming through. We turn our attention uh, to a new sporting event here in the UAE next This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Yeah, game on indeed. Uh, and let's turn our attention to what's going on in the football at the moment. Barcelona against Getafe is uh, going on in La Liga. And as we speak, <laughs> perfect time to come to it. Perfect Chris McCarty, time. there has been a... It's Benji's cue. There we go. We got there in the end, yeah, 33 minutes on the clock at the Camp Nou. I did tell you in that opening half an hour that Getafe, they had a goal chalked off. They were looking the livelier. They were looking the more kind of adventurous of the two. But you cannot keep good players down, and it's Antoine Griezmann that has given Barcelona the lead, and it's a lovely goal. The camera is on Lionel Messi, and for good reason as well, because it's he that weaves the pretty patterns. The vision of the Argentine, it's a thing of beauty. He just slides it into Antoine Griezmann, he beats the offside trap, and the little finish as well, Tom, gives the keeper the eyes, outside of the left boot, over the onrushing goalkeeper, into the empty net. It's Barcelona 1, Hitafi now. OK, let's turn attention to the world of cycling, which is very much coming alive here in the region it has done in recent years all sorts of new additions when it comes to uh, the UAE Tour uh, now a World Series event and of course uh, so much to look forward to on that one plus new initiatives here in the region and also then a brand new cycling event for the ladies, the Dubai Women's Tour which will be uh, on our streets next week. Yes, Monday through Thursday, four days, it is the 17th through to the 20th 17 teams are here Tom, eight UCI Continental Women's Teams, throw in five UCI Women's Teams, Andy Schlecks incidentally, the 2010 Tour de France winner, he's got a team there, we've got three national teams, including our very own UE national team. And you've got a couple of them right in front of I you I do indeed, yes, we've got two of the ladies, two of six riders that will be representing the UE this coming week. It's an, it is an exciting event. We've got Annemiek, who hails from Netherlands. We'll find out her story in just a moment. And we're also joined by Megs from South Africa. Ladies, 
Welcome to Barasti first and foremost. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Anamik, let's start with you if I can, because you were just telling me off air, you've lucked out massively for this Dubai Women's Tour, because when did you move to the UAE? I moved in November. Well done you, you've absolutely <laughs> lucked out. Were you aware that the Women's Tour was happening? Is that why you moved? Uh, exactly, no, I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> Talk to me about your cycling journey, if you will, before we get to this event and what it will do for women's cycling. Your story, you hail from the Netherlands. How did you get into cycling in the first place? I'm basically born on a bike, like all the Dutch people. I started racing or cycling on a race bike in France about six, seven years ago. Oh, wow. I moved to China for two years. Through work or through for cycling? Work, work. For work. And I started cycling a lot more there. So I've cycled a bit in France and in China a lot. Not so much racing. Um, it's not the same level, the same kind of competition. Yeah. But a lot, a lot of training rides, a lot of... Good so from in. Netherlands to China to the UAE, Megs, let's bring you into the conversation. Your own cycling journey over right. in Johannesburg. Yes, yeah, so uh, I left South Africa as a triathlete actually and competed here. I've lived here for three years, competed okay. as a triathlete for two years. And it's just been more recently over the last sort of six, seven months that I've moved to road cycling. Um, so absolutely loving it gotten involved in the races here and can't wait for this. Yeah, let's talk about getting those invitations onto the UE team. Give us a bit of background because this Dubai Women's Tour, inaugural year, excitement building for it, and rightly so, it's a big two weeks for cycling in this country. How did the both of you and the rest of your teammates, how do you go about being selected for the United Arab Emirates? Give us a little bit of background to, as to how that happens. So I moved in November and there were some races. I did well on the races and I guess that um, I joined all the group rides and it's fast group rides so you stand out, there's not so many women racing here. How many roughly? Um, An average race has maybe 15 or 20 women maximum. Okay, wow. um, so one of the main um, driving factors towards being chosen for this team was the fact that we are some of the biggest supporters of women cycling in the UAE. You'll see us out at all the races, we support the men. Um, so that's how that's how we, uh, one of the reasons we got to join the team. Talk to us about the standard out here particularly. We'll get to the tour and the standard with the tour with regards to women's cycling moving forward. But the standard here, because cycling has been an upward trajectory, there's no doubt about that. We on this show, myself, Tom, Ross, the rest of the team in Dubai, I want a 3.8. Cycling has been front and centre of the sporting narrative now for a good few years. There's a lot of great facilities here. We know the UE Tour is amalgamation of Abu Dhabi Tour and Dubai Tour. Women, though, give me an idea of the standard. Is it there? Is it here in the United Arab Emirates? It's, it's, it's getting here. Yeah. There is more and more uh, also women races. Um, we are supported. Um, and then all the facilities help a lot, of course. The facilities are second to none. I mean, when you compare them with what you had in Johannesburg and you as well with regards to the Netherlands, do they stack up? Oh, they far better than anything I've ever experienced. Honestly, being able to ride here safely as a woman yeah, of course. Um, is something unique to many places in the world. So definitely that. Um, yeah, and as you say, cycling's just on an upward trend here. So. You're both wearing your colours with great distinction, yeah. with great pride. How much preparation has gone into this? Because it is a massive moment, make no mistake. And I don't want to put untold pressure on both of your ladies' shoulders. I'm sure you're acutely aware that come Monday, it is a big deal. How much preparation has gone into all of this? 
we've we've been training a lot the last we've done a few training camps with the whole team we've got a goal have we apologies we're going to break away from the conversation very quickly while there's been another goal down at the new camp chris mccarty it's gone the way of Barcelona, no real surprise this one. Barcelona, they've got their bit between the teeth now. Barca 2, Hitafi nil. I told you just moments ago that Antoine Griezmann it was that gave Barca the lead. It's now Sergio Roberto that has made it Barca 2, Hitafi nil. Messi again at the centre of it. He that funnels it in, it then's fed out to the left-hand side. It's Junior Free Pro, the left-back. One of them missed it in actual fact. It was, I think it was Samuel Mtiti in the middle there who missed it. And it's come all the way to the back post. Sergio Roberto on his weaker left foot, he's just passed it into the empty net, Barca 2, Hitafi nil. I did say to you Tom that I fancied Barca to win this one. You did say, mutter that under your breath a little earlier on. Roscoe? So ladies, this tour takes place February 17th through the 20th, you're going to be going throughout the UAE what stages, where should we expect to see you on the road if we want to come out and wave to you or give you a bottle of water? <laughs> Yeah, well, stages one, two, and four will be starting Dubai Festival City and will be around 100 kilometers flat stages in Dubai. So watch out for the sprinters on those stages. <laughs> and then stage three, we're hoping to uh, get into the breakaway as we head to the mountains in Hatta. That's a very, very pretty scene out there. I was chatting with my friend this weekend who just did the Dubai Triathlon last week, and I said, what was the coolest part of this whole entire process for you in the whole entire race? And he goes, I'm never doing one again, but <laughs> he goes, we have so many places out here that we can cycle, yeah. al track, and we have yeah. great facilities, but very few chances do we actually get to cycle on the roads without anyone being on the roads and he goes you'll never know how cool that is till you actually get to try it and he says that was his highlight of his triathlon do you girls agree with my friend Braden on that one being able to be on the roads where generally it's just full of traffic yes. um, is, a, is kind of a highlight for you yeah totally we do ride on the roads on very early morning rides yeah. but always with support cars but um, yeah on, 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 uh, otherwise it's just on the cycling traps doing loops which is great for intervals too <laughs> and what is the and I mean this sincerely I guess that, that you're doing a lot that what you're doing for, for cycling over this week is, is untold it's, it's about creating a legacy what's the target though do you have a target in mind is it just to enjoy the four stages enjoy the four days maybe get in a breakaway so that you can wave and get the cameras on you guys but what is the target have you set a, a target in mind to it's win a, it it's a race it is a race I love that it's the competitive juices are flowing exactly yeah. it is to win yeah. Yeah. of course and it is have... to win yeah but you, you Come know on. I mean? like, how, how do you start up then how do we stack up against if we're seeing right now UE national team how does it stack up against some of the best female riders on the planet we have an amazing sprinter on the team so we have three flat stages if there is not a breakaway that's going to make it we are definitely um, having a good chance yeah. with the sprinter with Sama and that is what you understand I mean how much in the way of kind of not spying per se but how much do you know of the other teams and the qualities that the other ladies in the peloton have are you aware of any names is there any names that we should be aware of and keeping an eye out or is it very much just UE national team um, there is of course there's very strong teams coming Italian Basso team um, there is a under 23 team yeah, Mag, team, Mag right? will be yeah. competing for the under 23 jersey as well so we will having an eye, but after the first stage, I think there's a lot. We will see what's happening. Just on that then, Megs, what, how many uh, jerseys are there? There's obviously the, yeah. the winner overall. So four there's jerseys. four jerseys. There's an overall winner. There's a mountain, um, the 
queen of the mountains basically there's a sprint winner and there's under 23 jersey and is that the one that you've got your eye on yes it is of course it is <laughs> so white jersey. 17 teams in total anyone listening to this and for one we will be out there i know yeah. we're going to do our little bit to try and get down and have a look at it more than anything else i want to see it as well i want to get out there and check out you guys when do you start what time can we expect to see you guys on the start line 9.30. It's yeah. an early start then. Yeah. 9.30 right. is early it's, for me. It's, it's late for me. That's two early starts for you with the Rack Marathon and then the so, Dubai yeah, Tour. Yeah, throw that in the town, Friday morning so. as well. I just want to ask about the sort of state of the sport world, worldwide, if I can. Obviously, we're seeing a little bit of history here, historical event for the UAE, for the region, first time that we've seen a ladies' event organised. Uh, how is women's cycling worldwide at the moment? Is it... Is it a boom sport? Is it a growth sport? Is it one that we're going to hear a lot more about in the years to come? Definitely growing, obviously, in the Netherlands, Belgium, Europe. It's big for women as well, getting growing as well. I've lived in China for some years. Not so many women, but it's also growing. It's a growing sport overall, so also for women. I think an event like this also will raise a lot of awareness as to um, the fact that women can do the same things. Um, You know, we're also out there. Uh, riding our hearts out. So. Yeah. Yeah. Are the sponsors there? You're absolutely right to say that we media entities need to do more and to, to push the, the women's cycling tour, if you will. Are sponsors there? Are we starting to see more people come to the table now and actually express an interest about not only putting money behind cycling and men's cycling, the Tour de France and the UE Tour, etc., but putting it behind women's cycling? Are we seeing that? Is that something that you've seen? I noticed that, especially in the recent Tour Down Under that took place in Australia. Um, just following, starting to follow women's cycling yeah, and with big sponsors like SRAM and Trek and Canyon, uh, sponsoring these women, giving them their support, it's definitely on the rise. And what's your future? What Both of you, your future plans for this? I, I would take it you both have day jobs? No. I do. <laughs> you do? Do you um, next? I'm on a gap year, actually. I'm oh, starting oh. university in September. <laughs> keep stay on a gap. Stay on a gap. Stay on it forever. But I mean, is there a scope for one day making this professional? Is Definitely. that the the overall plan for? That would be lovely, of course. Yeah, yeah. that's, if that's possible. Yeah. But then, yeah, we need to do. We need to race hard. <laughs> you need to race hard, one step at a time. Absolutely about do that. Get, do you get much support with? Uh, do you get to interact much with the men's team as well? The UAE men's team that that the, wear the same colours. Is that is that something that you get with training as or not? We've we've not been training with them so much. We've been joining the group right here. Yep. They get a lot of support of the community, cycling community. Um, and being intrinsic to, to, to sort of cycling here in the region, I mean, one thing that we always say about any sport here is one way to promote it or one way to make sure that it gets uh, gains momentum is more and more Emiratis getting involved in that sport. From the fact, uh, from your sort of rides, from, from, from where you're at, are there more Emirati women taking up cycling? Yes, there definitely. Is. Dubai police team has a women's team as well. The Dubai police, they have a women's team supporting very much the women's cycling so that's very great that's where it all starts start small and and grow bigger yeah and there was a women's race that happened about a month ago emirati women only um the salam championship which is very well supported by by the sheikh of dubai and so it's only uh going up from here i mean we we mentioned the sponsorship word a little earlier on we mentioned the fact that you've obviously got to get you know 
the support of companies, got to have very understanding companies uh, to give you the time off for training and for racing as well. Uh, and it's not a cheap sport as well. I mean, oh. you've brought your bikes in a- along with you, your pride and joy. I wouldn't leave them outside, uh, Barasti, <laughs> that's for sure. So I'm glad that you did bring them in. But talk us through your respective bikes as well and the sort of efforts that you go to, that the, the you need in order to maintain your bikes and, and, and the sort of technical side of it, Anamika. Um, I don't do the technical parts myself. It's a lot. Here you see it needs it needs support. There is a lot of sand, a lot of wind, so it goes through shops. We have we have support from some local shops um, that help maintain them. If you're on if you're on a team, is that bike funded by yourselves or is it is? It is, yeah. And I know how much these we're, we're <laughs> talking. What are you doing? And I've and Roscoe's just so showing light. off his muscles. They are so light. I'm right in saying the lighter the, the your bike is, the more expensive it is, right? That's kind of how it works. You get you spend more for the lighter. That's sort of the trend, yeah. Sort of the trend, right? You want a light bike, but I know a mate, and I'm naming no names because his wife might be listening. He spent upwards of forty thousand dirhams on his bike, and that's not even expensive, is it? Are you you care to tell us how much you guys have spent on your bikes? <laughs> Come on now, how much have you spent on your bike? I think this one was about seven thousand euros. Seven thousand euros, oh cheapers. But then you get wow. you get you get wheel sets of of five. These are not five thousand euro wheels, but yeah, you very. You can. You can, yeah. Megs, how much have you spent on your gap year? <laughs> oh, let's just say it took half the year to save up for the bike. It's incredible. Wow. It really and, is. And then, of course, you need different bikes for different races. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't even know that. I thought it was one bike does all. No. Obviously, yeah. mountain bike per se. But on that then, on your bikes and on what you're looking to achieve, you've mentioned there that you want to win. It's a race at the end of the day. What's the message for young girls that are listening? Because there will be parents, there will be young girls listening in terms of what you guys want to do for cycling. What is the vision? What would you guys, sitting here in 12 months' time, what would you have liked to have achieved? Start with you, Megs. Yeah, I think just giving girls the, the, the confidence and the sort of, yeah, the push just to go out and try something, go try something new. That's how I started. Just getting on a bike, loving it, and then if it's something you want to do, just working hard to get to where you want to get. And I'll meet for you. I think it's the same. It's, it's very similar. It's it's amazing that we get the support, that we get a women's tour for us, and I think that helps a lot of young female cyclists to get the opportunity to gain confidence and get on a bike and get trained with us. Uh, yeah. Ladies, one thing that is synonymous, I guess, when, when I hear the word cycling... It was Lance Armstrong being an American. If you can't tell him I'm American, by the way, I'm wearing an American jumper. Would have never guessed it. But doping and cycling, do we think we're at a better place now where it's it's kind of eradicated from the sport, or do you still think it's going on? Um, that's a tough one to answer, I guess, at different levels of the sport. I don't know. But um, it's just about clean sport. If you're not going to play clean, why play? Yeah. So. And we've been talking about that all day long with Man City and the Houston Astros, <laughs> and now we're bringing in Lance Armstrong into the mix, but <laughs> the it seems like we've touched, touched on everything, the haven't we? The temptations will always be there. I'm glad to see that you guys are doing it clean. Of course you are, and I'm looking forward to what I'm sure will be a fantastic four days. Messages to get out there. 9.30 start. It starts the same spot, stages one, three, and four. Where does it start, stage two? Sorry, one, two, and four, Dubai. One, two, and four, sorry, stage yep. three. Hatta Dam. It is Hatta Dam. I'm looking so forward cool to this. 9.30 next week. Tom, you're going to be there. 
Yeah, very much so. Looking forward to it. It's going to be um, a, a great experience, I'm sure, for all those that are taking part and all those that come out to support the event as well uh, around the Emirates. So if you have to choose one of the legs that you are looking uh -huh. forward to most, that you're going to focus on most, Megs, for you, which one is it going to be? Um, I think it's going to be stage two. Stage two? Yeah. Stage two, why? Yeah. I just think it's going to be an important stage to not um, totally destroy myself for the next day and <laughs> yeah. just to keep myself in a good position for the rest of the tour. And uh, are you a sprinter then? Can I, can I, can we say that? A developing sprinter. A developing sprinter. So you're going to hate stage three up Hatta. <laughs> for you, Anamik, which stage? Tree. Yeah. Oh, you're a climber. I think so, oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. At least, at least more than a sprinter. Okay. <laughs> so so looking stage, forward to the hills. <laughs> stage Definitely, two yeah. then for Meg, stage three for Anamik, and it's worth reminding ourselves we've got four other riders, and I've got to go through this because, of course, you're flying the flag for the, you're all flying the flag for the UE, but Anamik from the Netherlands, yourself, Meg's from South Africa, we've got an Egyptian, a Jordanian, and two Irish ladies uh, flying the flag for the UE as well. So do you all complement one another? Have you all got strengths that complement? Definitely, definitely. We have very good sprinters, we have um, good climbers, and then we have people that can do everything. Yeah, so it's a, at the end of the day, we're a team. We've got to work together to put our best rider forward for the end. I mean, we've got an African national champ in there, and we've got an Arab champ in there, so let's just see. My money's on you, Tom. <laughs> Indeed, it is. It's uh, very much. We're very much looking forward to this one. It is the Dubai Women's Tour. It's coming to uh, roads uh, and pathways around you very soon. In fact, 17th to the 20th uh, of next week. Uh, make sure you get yourself online to find out all the latest. Can't thank you enough for coming on down here. Really appreciate your time. Best of luck as well. Best of luck. Yeah. Preparation ahead. Nervous times, I'm sure, at the moment. Yes, they are. But you've talked to good. Get to the point. I'm backing the UE to win this. And if not, then I'll be having words with you ladies next week. But listen, in all seriousness, though, enjoy it because it is the inaugural Dubai Women's Tour. It's a great initiative. It's great to see you ladies on the bike. I'm looking forward to seeing the peloton whizzing around Dubai. Best of luck. Stage two win for Megs and stage three win <laughs> for Anami. That's where no pressure, right? No, yeah. pressure. no pressure at all. <laughs> ladies, bless you. Thanks so much, Dave, for coming on down. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Really appreciate that. And of course, keep it locked here on Dubai 103.8 for all the latest updates from the forthcoming uh, Dubai Women's Tour. And of course, the UA Tour as well. Yeah, it's a busy fortnight of cycling. Might be a bit of tennis thrown in at the same throw time some as well. Tennis. Got to clone ourselves at Dubai 103.8. We really do, but we are excited about it. I'm looking forward to seeing how the ladies will go, and it's great to have both Anamik and Megs down here because I guess them talking to us and talking to our listeners, it means that we're a little bit more intrinsically linked in our all, Tom. It means that I will be, and I mean this sincerely, keeping an eye on the results and, and hoping that the UE are high up on that leaderboard. It's going to be busy, isn't it? What with the tennis around the corner as well? That was We had the official draw for the tennis Today, yeah, we did. We? We'll, we'll tell you about that after eight o'clock. There's a, there's a mouth-watering, let's just say there's a mouth-watering uh, first-round match-up. But yeah, it's a busy time. Yeah. It's a great time of year for live sport. And, and I, I go back to it, cycling is thriving Indeed in this is. part of the world. It really is, Tom. And the fact we're now adding the women's tour, that's a great addition to the calendar, if you will. And it's the perfect start for what promises to be a busy two weeks. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.